0: It's been an incredible journey that you've had, but were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there?
1: I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could, Very quick one. <laughs> I could do this job as well. But uh, of course, I really targeted to be a professional driver. We did something together with Mikko, and I've seen his name on the- Finnish Junior Championship mm. events, but honestly, when I went to airport to go mm. to that Italy trip, I had to buy a Finnish Motorsport magazine to see a picture of Mr Hirvon <laughs> and to find him from the airport. <laughs> that's that's, brilliant. That's, how, that's how it started. Uh, but my dad obviously,
0: you see him there, he's there every single one. Yeah, he, he loves it, he, li- he lives rallying and he's always asking, he knows more behind the scenes stuff than I do. And I'm there, he'll send me a text midweek saying, oh, have you just seen who's moved where and who's been testing where and that someone's been driving on a car track and they're like, oh, what? (laughs) So he's a total fan then? Yeah, yeah, total fanboy.
1: Welcome to WRC Backstories, our exclusive World Rally Championship podcast presented by Bex Williams.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome along. WRC Backstories here, ready to entertain you for the next hour and a half. For the next couple of episodes, we're focusing on co-drivers. And to kickstart, we head to Northern Ireland to chat with a navigator who has seen and done it all in his 30-plus year career, competing at home in Ireland, in Europe, America, in the Middle East and in pretty much every class of car available. Chris Patterson recently announced his retirement from competing at the highest level in WRC. With 144 WRC starts and 12 podiums, Chris has been a big part of the championship and has endeared himself not only with his talent, but with his big-hearted personality. Patterson has been the go-to guy in the service park for many co-drivers learning their trade, and also for me with my many questions over the years. Quite frankly, it would be impossible to chat about all of his career in the short space of time that we have here. But what we do have is a golden slice of a career that has traversed many countries with many different drivers alongside. I have to say, I probably haven't recorded a podcast this late on in the day before. It is Halloween weekend as well, so this has a bit of a spooky edge as we head out to northern ireland and join chris patterson in his bat cave right now evening to you chris how are you on halloween weekend
1: good afternoon bex i'm very well thank you how are you doing in this fine autumn day
0: (laughs) it is it well i'd like to say it was a fine autumn day in wales but it's been raining it's a bit sunny out there now but definitely uh, halloweeny weather that's for sure how are you doing
1: Good, good, good. Thank you. Yes.
0: Yeah. Ready, ready for yeah. this. Ready to reveal all about Chris Patterson? Well,
1: you know me, Bex. I might be a little bit uh, hesitant in a few things. You know, I, I keep my things uh, quite private, as you well know. And uh, you know, I, I do tend to try and keep keep things a little bit private on my side. So, uh, if I'm a little bit hesitant, there, there's there's always a reason why. So, uh, but but I will try my best.
0: Well, I'm not going to be asking you any difficult questions. I can guarantee well, Bex, that.
1: It is Bex Williams, always the always the pro. And, you know, oh. I'm always ready for a surprise, you know. So uh, let's uh, let's get it over and done. <laughs>
0: you flatterer. <laughs> you flatterer. Okay, let, let's get going then. And um, first up, as always with everyone in these podcasts, we're talking about you, yourself, who you are. So, Chris Patterson, describe yourself to me in three words.
1: In three words?
0: Just three words. Yeah, they don't all have to match. They can be completely difficult, but uh, different. Difficult. Difficult is not a word I would use to describe you, by the way. I don't know why that came into my head. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, three words. Um, private.
0: Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Noted.
1: Um, I'm a perfectionist. Ooh. And um, I like to have fun. So, I mean, it's uh, probably not three words, but, um, you know, there's three words that, that that sort of would describe me.
0: Let, let's go with all the P's, shall we? Private perfectionist party.
1: <laughs> well, yeah? Bex, you and I have been to the odd party. You can't deny it.
0: We have. I've seen your moves on the dance floor, Patterson. I have.
1: Oh, dear. That was scary. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good words though to describe yourself i have to say lots of people come out with loads of different things but for all of you co-drivers so far perfectionist has been a frequent one and i think kind of it has to be but we'll we'll get to that you come from an incredible motorsport family and heritage which maybe a lot of people will know about who are based you know in the uk or in ireland but for people around the world, Chris, give us a bit of an idea of the family Patterson and, you know, where you've come from, because motorsport is very much in the blood in your family.
1: Very much so. I mean, it, it comes from my father. Uh, my father was, was a driver in the, in the 70s and 80s. Um, and at that time, uh, you know, we were growing up in, in, in Belfast at the time, and, and, and my father or had, had petrols and garages and things like that. And he was rallying, so we got that bug from there. Um, he used to come home with all these... Um, I mean, he was very much... He would have bought a car during the week and um, made it rally-ready. There's a photograph that we've seen there recently. He had a, a Capri, which he did the Circuit of Ireland on, and um, there was a tow bar fitted. And we were laughing. We were like, that. why is there a tow bar? on the Capri. And it was quite simple. He had bought it, he had uh, put a roll cage into it, went and did the Circuit of Ireland and put it in the car lot on uh, the day after the rally was over. He washed it and put it in the car lot and never bothered taking the tow bar off it. So he'd done the whole circuit with 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 a tow bar on, on, on this Capri. So, uh, you know, it was very much that. And we, we grew up with, with my father rallying and we were and off the rallies and... He would uh, get us all into the back of the, the Volvo state and off we'd go. And uh, we would do, we would help out the service crew, cleaning cars and, and this sort of thing. And then it really just evolved from there. And and, and we got our, uh, we got our bug for rallying. And you know, maybe you know, I didn't think that I would have went to the World Championship or anything like that. And. And one of the things that uh, that stood out for me was the Circuit of Ireland came here. I'm not sure what year it was, 84, 85, something like that. And Michel Mouton was doing the rally with uh, Audi Quattro. And we went up, uh, myself and my brother and, uh, and a couple of friends, and went up and watched the... We went on our bicycles and, and cycled out to where the stage was, not far away from where we were living, and seen this, Michelle Mouton and and, and Fabrizio Pons in the in the Audi Sport Quattro, and we were just goodness, what uh, what is this is just incredible. So for us, it was a, a hell of experience, and you know, I was probably fourteen or fifteen at that time, and I was thinking, I want a bit of this. This is just something special." And uh, you know, to see people like Michelle at that time, especially come to Northern Ireland, I mean, it was uh, it was special times, and so it really just evolved from there. And, um, you know, we didn't um, we didn't think it would get to where it is today. It was really just for fun. Whenever I started, we did a bit of co-driving at the weekend. We went to work on a Monday morning and the the social side of it was really more interesting than the the actual rallies. I mean, we had a lot of fun doing the rallies, but the social side back then was really good fun. And. and then at just this time of all, we were doing more and more rallies, and um, I just didn't have time to go to work then, you know, I mean, it was just, I had to make a decision, will I stick with my job, or will I continue on with what I'm doing with, with the co-driving? And I was involved a lot at that time with, with, like, Alistair McRae, Jim McRae, Colin, so I was doing gravel notes a lot um, for, for, for Alistair at that time. And... Um, and, and and helping Colin, I was doing a lot of testing and things like this. So we were just spending so much time away, and we were earning some money, um, and, and it was enough to say, right, okay, look, I'll, I'll jack in the job for a while, and see where we end up, and, and, and it's continued on. And I've been very, very fortunate where I've managed to get yeah. probably probably thirty years from from uh, learning earning a living as, as a co-driver, which wow. I enjoyed every minute.
0: I bet you have and you know okay fortunate but you you know you're a professional you're exceptionally good at, at what you what you do so no wonder you, you've got to the heights that, that you have and my goodness Chris Patterson you've been around a bit I was looking back at your statistics over the last 24 hours and so, how many people have you co-driven for over the years? I, I was starting to make notes and I just threw my pen. I was like, it's pointless because there are too many drivers here to to go through every single one of them. It, it, it's pointless. But I want to go a bit further back before we go forward. Now, I've met quite a few. Well, I've met. I hope I'm thinking I've met all your family. I met your lovely dad and your mum, of course. So they were some of the first people I met when I started um working in Ireland on the Irish Tarmac Championship and they were so lovely to me and, and hugely supportive. And I think I've met all of your brothers. There are three or are there more?
1: No, there's three uh, right. I'm not good. sure I've if you've met... if you've met yeah I'm not sure if you have you met my other brother Jody have you yes, met I've, met Jody. yes. I've met Jodie. I've met Jodie. So I've yeah, met Davy
0: yeah. yeah Jody. Yes. Yeah.
1: I've met okay,
0: good. I've, yes. met, I've yes. met them all. So I want to know what you were like as a youngster Chris Patterson because my goodness Four boys, all with a bit of a head for motorsport, being taken to these rallies across the country, having a heck of a time. What were you like as a youngster? Were you a bit of a rebel?
1: Well, I wouldn't say rebel. We were just normal kids growing up then. And, and um, I feel sorry for my poor mother. She she is the handful. Uh, we just got on with things and, and, and had a good time. And, and my mother, you know, I mean, my mother wasn't so stupid. She, um, and, and it's a story my father again told, told with, with good, with, with a laugh. Um, my mum doesn't drive and, and, and never, ha- well, I certainly don't remember her driving. And it simply goes back to, uh, I think it was, the year was 1974, whatever year it was. And my mum had four boys and my father was in the motor business. And uh, for some reason, uh, my dad was bringing a Volkswagen Beetle uh, to, to deliver to a customer on, on, on a Saturday morning. And he drove it home and it ran out of petrol at the bottom of the street. And for some reason, he went up and got my mum. My mum was doing the ironing. And uh, brought down, went down with a rope. Put, for some reason, put the rope around the front bumper of the Volkswagen Beetle. And my dad took off, or my mum took off in, in the tow car. And the front bumper, everything off the Beetle. And my dad sat for a while thinking my mum would come back down again. My mum didn't come back down again. My dad walked up to the house. The car was there. The bumper was there. The rope was there. And my mum was standing doing the ironing and just said, I will never drive another car ever again. And to this day has not driven a car since because she was she was smart. You know, she knew she had four boys who were going to need lifts everywhere. They were wanting to go to rallies. Yeah. They wanted to be go here, there, and everywhere, and plus driving cars around for my dad and running out of petrol and 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 all, all, all these things. So my mum was quite smart. So um, for us, it it's it was it was quite funny.
0: Yeah, I I bet. I bet, I mean, yeah, four boys. For her growing up I'm, I'm sure was a bit of a handful I mean I, mm. I know most of you now and I certainly know you and Davy quite well and I, I can imagine you as youngsters were, were quite a handful how were you at school Mr Patterson were you uh, were, were you a good boy at school did you do well or were you uh
1: I'm always a good boy but you know I'm a good boy
0: <laughs> oh yeah all, wait, all wait, evidence wait. to the contrary <laughs>
1: Yeah, we worked hard, but, you know, it was it was school and, and, and growing up in North, Northern Ireland in the 70s and 80s, school was, uh, I mean, we tried our best and, and the teachers tried their best, but it was, um, we spent most of the time just, you know, just messed about and, and football and going on our bicycles and all these sort of things so I mean we did get some qualifications at the end of it but it was really a case of let's just get out of school and uh, go and try and earn a living somewhere and with my father being self-employed at that time and um, with, with his different things that was going on it was very much a case of um, you know let's let's go and help out there and, and see how we can do.
0: I mean, you know, when seeing as you were surrounded by by so much motorsport and, and rallying with, with your dad as well, did did you feel when you were at school that that was an area you were going to go into or was it just a kind of secondary fun thought in the back of your mind?
1: It was always just a fun thought, but it was something that, you know, even whenever I was was, was at school, um, I would have been away doing, you know, helping my father with, with doing pace notes for different rallies and... And also, I would have went and if a navigator wasn't available, um, I can remember going and, and doing the reccees with, with, with some drivers. And I didn't have a driving license. I was much too young. I was 15, 14, 15, 16 years old and going off and doing reccees for big rallies, the Circuit of Ireland, Donegal rally, you know, there were, there were big rallies at that time. And, you know, that's really where, you know, I've been making pace notes since, since a very, very young age. And. You know, they talk about the ten thousand hour rule. If you like, you do something long enough and for for and often enough, you will become good at it. So, whenever I was sort of leaving school, I was already you know, quite quite handy at making notes and navigating. And I couldn't drive, but well, we could drive, of course, but uh, we weren't was supposed to be driving. And um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a
0: very fine line between yeah, that. Yeah, there's, isn't there's there? a fine line
1: there. And uh, but you know, at that time, that that's how it was. So. I, you know, we were we were already making pace notes from from a fairly young age, mm.
0: and and there was never the want in in yourself to actually drive. It was always co driving, always making pace notes,
1: always co driving. And I, I don't know why that is, because most people want to be drivers, but for me, there was just something. Um, Uh, just I I enjoy maps I love navigating I you know I have a real interest with maps and to this day um I I have a a good collection of really old maps and and I would think nothing of of opening a map up from from you know modern day maps I just think they're so beautiful and beautifully made and Mm -hmm. especially the older ones that were all hand-drawn and um you know if I think it's it's something that I would have really have had an interest to go into, would, would, would have been cartography and, and, and making maps and Ordnance Survey and and these things, you know. And uh, funny, at, at the back of my house here, there's what's called a triangulation station, which is uh, where they, they made the Ordnance Survey maps uh, back in the late 1800s. And, and the story with that and the history with that, you know, mm. modern maps were basically... It's 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 the It started in the UK, and um, you know, in triangulation and making maps and the detail, and they were all hand drawn and hand painted. And if you know, for me, the detail and that, and I just love maps. And uh, I could sit here for hours just getting the magnifying glass out and studying the details. And it's uh, it's something I really, really thoroughly enjoy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fascinating. I remember Phil Mills saying something remarkably similar to that. Yeah, he could have been in, you know, a, cut, a cartographer himself.
1: Yeah, because he was yeah. so
0: fascinated with with maps. Yeah,
1: Phil, Phil and I have talked about it often, and uh, we would we would uh, talk. From, Every now and again, we would we would we would call and just for a crack and see what's going on, and we'd talk about maps and um, and we're too real. I mean, there's quite a few of us. We're, we're not the only map nerds, if you like. It's um, it's just something that, that they fascinate me, and yeah. and even the, the process of making a map is, uh, oof, it's, it's just mind boggling. And um, those guys that went out in the late 1800s, the the, the exercise, you know, just as a an exercise to do something in that scale is it's mind boggling, mm. fantastic, really fantastic.
0: Now, you said you you kind of you, you jumped in the car doing doing reckeys when you were still very early teenager. What would you consider your first actual competition rally?
1: It would have been, uh, and not long after I got my driving license, uh, it would have been a very local rally, uh, which is local to where we live. It was a, a small rally that used to be on a Wednesday night uh, before, sort of in June, just before Donegal Rally, I always remember. And it was a great way event. They have what they call now, they have Targa Rallies, which is sort of taking over small events like that. But it was a small event with stages, but like you've been going through farm sheds, the stages weren't long, they might be two, three miles. Not very long. And that was the very first rally I ever did. And it was with a guy called Ivan Kennedy, who um, had a Skoda, 130 uh, I I don't even think it was an hour. It was the one with the engine in the back anyway. <laughs> and we had a great night's crack. And and after that, I just, yeah, I really, really enjoyed that. And you, know, and going back to the driving, um, at that time, we were doing what's called auto tests which is, um, you know, you drive around cones and and, and you do this sort of thing. And you can do that from quite a young age. And certainly in Northern Ireland, you can do that from whenever you're 14.
0: Yeah, I see them regularly, kind of people posting them now in Northern Ireland, these auto tests.
1: Yeah, so uh, it was in, in many you know, you do it in wee minis and, and, and things like this, and it's just like precision driving through as yeah. fast as you can, going through and reversing into, you know, between cones and, and, and this sort of kind of, and that is something that I still do today, and I enjoy doing it today, Um and I have so many friends in, in, in the Auto Test Drivers Club here, and it's something you know these guys, you know, the guys are really fast. You know they take it very very seriously. And funny, our engineer at M Sport, Jamie McMillan, is um, he's a fantastic auto test driver. Yeah. So um, we're actually chatting casually. If if. The WRC comes to Northern Ireland. We're going to have a bit of an auto test competition, and uh, we're Love going this. to have a couple of teams. We're going, to, yeah, we're going to get Rich Milner and, and Mick, Mick the Chef, he's going to be in my team. He, He's, he's a bit reluctant but I said Mick, we're not going to take him very seriously because we're not going to beat Jimmy Mcmillan's team anyway, so we'll just go and have a laugh and a carry on so uh, we'll have to we'll have to torture Bobby for a bit of a square in a service park if he gets the rally and fingers crossed he does
0: that would be fantastic actually just to just to mm-hmm. see that and yeah f- fingers crossed for news mm-hmm. on on Northern. well you Ireland. can
1: be in my team if you want back we're not I... taking him very seriously
0: what are you trying to say you're trying to say I'm not a good auto test driver
1: perhaps well then you can be in Jimmy's team. <laughs>
0: I'm pretty good at reversing, to be honest, at speed. You could be on
1: my team. <laughs> you no, know, you definitely. You decide whose team you want to be on. More the merrier. I'm on your problem. team,
0: Patterson, always. Always alrighty. On
1: your team. <laughs> good, good,
0: now, good. um, you go from your your first ever rally and it, it kind of builds from there. But how do you get up to the point where all of a sudden co driving has become so busy for you that you have to give up? the day job
1: you know with co-driving is a funny old business and, and and one of the one of the the keys to to, to getting any success and in, um, in, in, in certainly co-driving is being the right place at the right time and that place at the time you know my my parents would have been fairly friendly with Jim and Margaret McRae at that time you know the, the British championship and and, and these things so, Jim McRae, I was supposed to be doing the Donegal Rally with 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 a, another guy, and he had to pull out a couple of weeks before the event. So I ended up I was not going to be doing Donegal Rally, and Jim got a last minute um, he got a bit of a deal together to come and do the Donegal Rally, and he needed a co-driver. So um, I I go yeah, come me in, pick me up on the way past. Yeah, no, no problem. Very nervous at the time, but uh, look, we got through it and 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 we became um, you know, I, I, I did a reasonable job, I suppose, because he asked me back to go and do some more rallies. And then, what do you mean, you did a reasonable job?
0: You were second,
1: we finished second, <laughs> yes, <we laughs> a did. reasonable job, uh-huh. second at Donegal yes.
0: in its heyday. Come
1: yeah. on, and uh, it was uh, we had a hell of a battle, we'd got some penalties, we had a problem in service, and uh, we'd got some penalties, and and Jim and Jim just said, right, that's it's, it's treasurer trophies on Sunday. And I uh, went out in the Sunday run. I think we were fastest on, on every stage in Sunday, but that was an experience that uh, for me was very, very special, especially in the, in the, and it was a very special car, actually, at that time, the the, the Sierra Cosworth. It was a proper yeah. Group A car, a, a factory car. Uh, the registration number was D372TAR, which was the only Sierra ever to win a World Championship rally, with D.A. Ariel. And uh, a beautiful, beautiful car, and a hell of an experience for me,
0: Jimmy McRae, to sit alongside Jim Jimmy McRae. and yes. to you know to be second overall at such an iconic event as well. You said you were a bit nervous going. I mean, how old were you then?
1: I was 23 24, something like that at that time. I would have to do the math, <laughs> I would have to do the math. I wasn't very, I was quite young.
0: I mean, yeah, it, it is a young age. I mean, you know, with, mm. <laughs> what were you feeling like? You know, you get to the start line of your first stage and you're sitting alongside a man who's had what by that time? Because I think it was ni- 91, Yes.
1: 1991. Yes. Yeah.
0: So he's he'd already won his British championships by that point.
1: Oh, He was a legend and still is a five, legend today. Yeah, five time yeah. British
0: uh, rally champion by that point, and there you yeah. are, 23 year old, sat next to him, calling the Knights.
1: I know it was crazy, and uh, you know, I was absolutely, uh, I could say, and I, I completely admit it, I was properly nervous going to the first stage. But once you start, it's like you know, even today, you know you get nervous before the, before the start. And for me, I don't get nervous of an accident or anything like that. I get nervous of making a mistake mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I always want everything to be absolutely perfect. So one of the first days and everything just going through your mind, right like, okay, it's just taken care of and Okay. Everything's okay. And the notes are okay. And you have your notebook book and you have your time cards and all these things. So I was definitely nervous on this side and Jim was just sort of laughing. It's just, worry about it but he is the coolest 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 man you, you'd ever meet and uh it was a real treat for me and, and we had a really really good time and thankfully i was asked back and we did a few rallies after that as well
0: yeah i could see you've sat alongside him quite a few times and alongside mm. alistair as well
1: yes yes well McCray, you know they're just such great people and great sportsmen and um that was a real pleasure at that time and we did a lot with Alistair then with with the gravel crew he was starting out on the world championship and I was doing the gravel crew and did a lot of testing and, and he had David senior and, and David and I are still good, really good friends mm. to this day and uh, which reminds me I need to ring him one of these days and um, you know they're, they're just such great people and great sportsmen and, and just great ambassadors for 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 rallying and they were just great people
0: you know, I think it, it's kind of a good reminder, isn't it? Even though we have like a global sport, you travel the world, it's still a small circle of people, really, that, that travel with it and who know each other, you know, the amount of people you will now know after, uh, well, not after your career, because your career is still very much going, even though you've retired from WRC itself, it is a small group of people, but that's kind of it nice. Is
1: yeah it is and and bex you know i mean how long have i known you when, when did you come on to the, the 2001 2002
0: full-time 2002 my first. Two 2002
1: track. yeah yeah you know so that's 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 uh, well nearly 20 years ago so i've yeah. known you as, as, a, as a good friend and a close friend and a colleague for for 20 years and you're absolutely right and we've seen people come we've seen people go and um, there's there's been a, a you know a small core of people I've have kept going and are still there today and yeah. it's great to see those people and and like you yes I have so made so many friends around the world and that is a a privilege that we have and, and we we're definitely very very lucky.
0: Yeah, definitely very, very lucky. Another a legendary name that I saw along your statistics, and there are many, but Gwyndaff Evans, oh. sitting alongside Gwyndaff, yeah. of course, father mm-hmm. to Elvin Evans. Um, yes. But Gwyndaff, a legend in his own right. Um, what was it like with Gwyndaff? Because, you know, him and Elvin are very, very similar, pretty kind of, you know, straight, but wicked sense of humour.
1: Oh, the two of them are just exactly the same. Very wicked sense of humour. Very good people. And again, they want everything to be correct. And they are quite driven for that. And uh, they can be demanding. But rightly so. Um, They've had the successes that they've had because of that. Uh, Gwendaff, you know, really, for me, I I enjoyed every single minute with Gwendaff. We had such a good time and what a talented driver. And I made a bit of a mistake a couple of weeks ago there. We were in Greece and it was going to the podium and I seen him standing and we were sort of waiting at the side. So I got out of the car to go and say hello. And he said, Oh, Chris, I've got something to show you, I've got something to show you. And he's got a Mark II escort. Um, which I think Elfin has had a hand in, and Phil Mills has had a hand in it as well. So it's been built in Viking with, with, with Phil yeah. Mills, and it is just absolutely beautiful. And I said, Right, we're we'll going to do a rally. We're we'll going to do a rally, right? Definitely, we're we'll going to do a rally. Thinking that we'll go and have a do a day out somewhere in Wales. We'll have a, one of those beautiful rallies up in Sweet Lamb or something like that. Mm-hmm. There'll be no recce. We'll just go and have a day out and have a nice bit of dinner. But typical going to no, 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 right? We're going, we're going to go and do the, the Manx rally or the Roger Albert Clark, and we're going <laughs> to go and do it right. And it's like, All right. <laughs> so, uh, at some point, we'll be going next year with Gwynnaf and Mark Casper, and it's going to be so much fun because Aww, Daff, is G- uh, really, really good fun. And Gwynnaf, he's a hell of a driver. I mean, he's he's something special. And you know, the more I sort of thinking about it the Isle of Man would be really good because the Manx rally, Gwyndaf, was, was hard to beat in the Isle of Man. Yeah. And, um, you know, just some of those legendary pictures that you see from from, from back with Ari Vatnan and people like that in the Isle of Man and the Mark II escorts. And, um, you know, so as long as he promises to go through Fultby, Will Village, absolutely full sideways at 10,000 RPM, I think we can probably do a day
0: I, I'm sure he'll agree to that. I'm sure he will. <laughs> you know, you, you, we, we've talked about, um, obviously, McCrae Evans. Like I said, we can't go through every driver that you've come no. driven for because we'd be here for hours, Chris, maybe yes. even this time tomorrow.
1: But, Ooh. you know,
0: the phone is obviously going off the hook for you. you. You've come second in Donegal from from McRae, and then all of a sudden, Chris Patterson's name is out there as the co-driver to have to guide you to podium victory. So, was the phone off the hook in that period?
1: Well, yes and no. Um, you know, it's, it's easy to sort of say yes to everything, and and I did for a, a time was saying yes to everything. You know, like I think it was two thousand three, two thousand four. You know, I was just doing. I was doing every single round of the WRC. With two different drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at that time, there was Nal McShay, Chris Meek, and Nasser al And I was sort of planning, and that just is not sustainable. Um, you know, you're just running all the time, and with different drivers. You know, the, the two drivers were different programmes. You know, one was doing Junior, one was doing um, the Production Cup. And Nasser as well uh, with, with, with the Middle East. And then Nasser then came in to do the Production Cup. So something had to give. And you know, luckily, I was still able to do some of the junior rounds with Chris. But then the programme with NASA just become, it got so we were doing so many rallies that, mm. that something had to give. And, and at that time, um, there wasn't much budget in the, in the Chris Meek camp for, for, for a bit of wages. So I had to, I had to make a choice. You know, I have a mortgage to pay and, and uh, a wife to look after. So it was uh, to decide which to take. And, and 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 thankfully, you know, I went the nicer route at that time. Um, it was, and and I don't regret one minute of it. We won the Middle East Rally Championship five times, four or five times, I'm not sure. And I think uh, it was five. Five. Yes. So uh,
0: someone will correct us if we're wrong. Yeah,
1: I think it was four. (laughs) Four with Nasser and then um, one with a a Qatari driver. There was a a bit of a a dispute within the the, the Qatar Federation. And I was employee of the Federation at that time. Mm. So I had to stay with the Federation and uh, they put another driver and a guy called yes. uh, uh, Misfar uh, al-Mari.
0: Uh, uh, Al-Mari.
1: And so there was one, one championship with Misfar, and, um, and, and then, you know, I've made so many friends in the Middle East now, it's, it's, it's crazy, and I love going back down there. We're going back down there again, actually, next week, we're going down to do some testing with, uh, for Dakar with, with Sheikh Khalid uh, al-Qasimi, so uh, we're heading down there next week.
0: That's really good news uh, because obviously you spent a lot of time in, in the WRC with, with Khalid Al-Kasimi. But how difficult must it have, must have been that year when you had three different drivers, three different championships within one, effectively, three different styles of notes, I'm, I'm guessing as well. I mean, OK, some people are similar to others, but you have a young driver in Chris Meek and it, different levels. How did you deal with that as a co-driver?
1: Well, I was just making it up as I went along and doing my best. Um, no, you're not supposed to
0: say that. <laughs>
1: well, that's exactly what I was doing. And, and, and I won't, I won't uh, try and you know, hide around that. But I mean, literally, and that's what I was sort of saying, you know, I was taking on too much, you know, and, and you yeah. do tend to lose a bit of focus and you do tend to lose a bit of, uh, I mean, you really should be focusing on one thing. But I mean, it was working at the time, and it was grand, and there wasn't much budget for Chris or Niall at that time, yeah. and and sort of I had to make the choice uh, as to as to which way I was going, and at that time, it, you know, Nasser was the choice that I made, and um, but just simply yeah, for for financial reasons, and it was as simple as that, and you know, I like I say, I had, had mortgages to pay and bills to pay, so. Yeah and um, but you know we managed to do a good job we got through it and literally we were making it up to go along but i took on far too much and uh, really had something had to give so that was that was how that uh, that panned out
0: so your advice to to co-drivers who are doing that would be then you know kind of hone your focus maybe on yeah. this one it's difficult though isn't it when you have opportunities and we're seeing it right now certainly in the wrc there's so many co-driver changes right now and Younger mm. co-drivers are getting the opportunity to come in and you know you have to kind of take opportunities where where you can get them but there is like you just mentioned that problem of taking on too much.
1: Well I just simply took on too much I mean, three drivers a full WRC season and the Middle East was just far too much and I was juggling at the time and, and especially with three drivers where you, you, you just can't really focus but totally agree with what you're saying there. For the young guys, when I had a, a young uh, UK co-driver on the phone this morning, uh, just for a little bit of help, and I was basically saying to him, look, you need to get out there, take what you can. You know, obviously competing is, is where you want to be, but um, in the actual co-driver seat, but you know, if, if there's an opportunity to go and do gravel crew or being on events, you know, whether it be helping out doing anything, just you need to be out there. And if you're not out there, you're just going to get left behind. Uh, You need your face out there and you need your name out there. And try and juggle as much as you can without juggling too much. Because focus, you know, to to do a really proper job, you need to prepare properly. And the preparation, everything nowadays, there's a lot more preparation today than what there would have been then. And You could have, and we did make it up a little bit, so we went along Mm -hmm. back then, because you could do that but you can't do it today. There's just so much preparation needs done, and uh, every T needs crossed, and every I needs dotted.
0: What was the feedback from your parents? The more successful your career was was getting. You're, you, you know, you've been in the World Championship a number of years, successful in Nasser Aletier, You move on, and you're alongside Petter Solberg, and then you're on the you know the steps of the WRC podium. What was the feedback from your parents then?
1: You know, I was you know, really lucky. I've always had great support from from both my parents, and they take a you know, they take an avid interest, of course. And um, but my dad, he came. My mum and dad came across the only WRC rally. You no, know, they came to a couple of WRC rallies, sort of back. You know, with Teams Cup, and I remember they come to Portugal Rally and. 2001. I was with with John Papadimitriou. We were in a, a Peugeot World Rally at that time, and um, you know, again, John Papadimitriou, still to this day, a great friend. We were very lucky. We were in Athens for the ceremonial start a couple of weeks ago. There down in down in Acropolis Rally. And we were able to walk around to the hotel and have a cup of coffee with John oh, in right. and, 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 and John's hotel. So uh, it was really, really good to see him. And he's he's got a wee boy now. And he was sort of laughing and no, I'm retired from the rallying now. And it's, uh, I have this little one now that's uh, mad keen for the rallying. So, But I had great support from my mom and dad. And my dad came to... 2010 Rally GB or 2012 2012 Rally GB and um, we finished on the podium and he was just so proud he was just mm. just delighted and and I got a, a really and I gave it to him actually I gave it to my dad it's it's a it's an award for on Rally GB for the first UK driver our first UK co-driver it's called the Nigel Harris Award. Yeah. And Nigel Harris was just a gentleman and a, such a fantastic co-driver. And in and, and, and the co-driver world, he was just a legend. And unfortunately, he, he lost his life in safari, Rally. And uh, he was Malcolm's co-driver for, for a few years. So you know, to, to win that, you know, that's just something that, that, as a co-driver from the UK, you should be very, very proud of. And I was very, very proud of that. And I could see my dad was, was very proud. I was the first, I was, uh, I think we were second overall, second or third. And uh, he was very proud. And I gave him that Nigel Harris award and he was like, oh. And, and funny, I was I was at his desk this morning there and, and it's still there at, at his desk. So yeah. good, good yeah. times.
0: Yeah, that, that's a lovely highlight of it all as well. Mm. That's really nice. Mm. Talk to me a, a little bit about the the Petter Solberg years, because mm. it, you know Petter's quite, quite the character, quite the driver, and you took over when, when Phil Mills decided that he wanted to to hang up the paste notebook and put away the pencil. Mm-hmm. What was it like then sitting alongside Petter:
1: ah, that was a, that was a special time. Uh, with, with Petter, it was um, entertaining it was fun it was relentless it was enormous hard work which is all part of it you know and and um it was just magical times you know with, with Petter, really special and uh, one of those times you know going back to doing going that first stage with Jim and the Donegal rally mm-hmm. it was the same with Petter going to the first stage even though I'd been I went to the first stage of so many rallies. But I was just, again, crossing every T, dotting every eye. you know, time cards there. I've got the pace. Notes, right, OK, right, you ready? Yes, everything's done. And I was nervous. Um, but we got through it. We got through the first rally. And, and really, it was, uh, you know, he's, he's such a fantastic character and an amazing driver. And it was very, very special to have uh, had those rallies with him.
0: Did you have to do something extra, though, because Petter's notes have got so much detail in them that whenever you listened into to the onboard, I couldn't hear you take a breath. I've never heard you speak so, so quickly. Did you have to have like extra honey, sweets, you know, on rally week just to make sure the vocal <laughs> cords were up to it?
1: They were busy pace notes, very busy pace notes. But, you know, I had an understanding of how the, the first couple of rallies, I didn't. And I'll be honest, I didn't really understand what they meant. Um, but I mean, it's it's all about a racing line and trying to get as much out of the road as you possibly can. And, and you know, there's a lot of detail in there. There's a, a lot of detail. But Petter's a he's a details guy you know, and he, he focuses a lot on the details. So I mean, well, it certainly took me a rally to understand. You know, I was just reading them and hoping that I would get to the end of the stage before he did, and um, and it sort of it it, it worked. So I just kept spurting them out, but it wasn't really. I didn't really understand where they were, what they were doing, or it all these details. Certainly, couldn't see all these details, but uh, once you get an understanding of them, where he's just—it's it's all about a racing line and taking the racing line, and just really, really detailed where he puts the car, and quite often, you know, he'll have one corner, and he's putting the car, setting the car for the next corner. Yeah. So it's it's two or three corners, quite often combined, where he can get this really, really good line, and once you get your head around that. It's not so bad. Yeah. It sounds a lot worse than what it actually is. But there was definitely times whenever I was running out of steam, you know, you're going down down some of these hills and some of these rallies and you're going, and you're just hoping, you're just hoping that you're going to get it all out. And we always managed. And uh, he seemed to understand everything that was happening. Because if you missed something, if 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 you had to miss something or whatever, he would have picked it up. So all the time you had to be so careful to make sure it was absolutely correct. And he would be permanently. You know, he's he's quite hard, and mm. uh, you know, he's very grateful. But at the same time, he'd be quite hard. Just, look, you're a wee bit behind there, you're a wee bit early there, or whatever it is. And he's just trying to get the best out of me as well, which I appreciated because yeah. it's something that I wanted as well. I wanted the best from myself. So we just kept on reading. and certainly the first couple of stages in Bulgaria rally, it was um, very much. Fingers crossed! I hope I get to the end of the stage for Petter does, and we managed to do that. And we started off a good working relationship, which we we, we still have today. And uh, he's, he's a very very good friend.
0: Yeah, that that first uh, rally together was was a success, and you know it went on mm. from there. And it, it was great to see the you know the, the way you guys work together because you are both consummate professionals, but you got on so well. And it, it, you know you, what you mentioned right at the start that the social side of rallying. We still had a bit of that back then. It seemed, well, certainly mm. these days within COVID times, we don't have any of that at the moment. But Petter really does know how to mix business with pleasure in that he will work really hard. But then once the rally's done, he knows how to then entertain everyone. And of course, you were part of that. And so was I for quite a few events as well. But that's that's a nice element of it all because he, he understood, I think, that that's the important side to it as well.
1: Very important. It's also very important to look after your guys and uh, you're looking after the people that are around you. So he always treated us and uh, to to a nice dinner and and um well I don't need to tell you the other shenanigans that were went on at those uh, those dinners. But it was just such good fun. But you know he does know that he drives people hard and he works people hard and, but it's really just trying to get the best out of them and to try and get the best out of everybody, including himself. And he knows that uh, sometimes he doesn't mean to, but he can be, you know, he can offend people just with his, just being so demanding and upset people. And, um, you know, that's so he just knows let's, them all a nice dinner and say thank you, which he did, and you know, that's the people then you know, they got used to just the way that he is, and knowing they were going to that everything just won't work out in the end, and everything always did work out. But you know, with, with, with Peter, he's just trying to get the best out of everybody, yeah. and I really, really enjoyed that because getting the best out of me that's what I was wanting as well. I want to do my best. And um, you know, and again, you know, it gives you that chance to focus on one hundred percent in what you're doing. So that side of it I really, really enjoyed with Petter. Um he is very demanding, but you know, really it was to get the best out of everybody and and he managed to do that with me and I enjoyed every single minute of it. Well, most of it. Most of it.
0: <laughs> let's let's talk about one bit that maybe you didn't quite enjoy so much. But as you touched on in Spain when I interviewed you, it's maybe what you've become famous for, you know, over 30 years of co-driving and incredible results. And when everybody mentions Chris Patterson, oh, it's the guy that drove Petter Solberg in Sweden, which was a little bit of a surprise for many of us, Chris. I have Mm -hmm. to say, you drove the, it was the final stage of Rally Sweden back in, good God, I can't even remember what year it was now, but 12? 2011. 2011.
1: Yes, I
0: remember Ken Reese, who was, um, you know, looking after the team at the time, sending me a little message before that stage began to say, um, uh, bet you're going to notice a bit of a change on on this stage, Um, you know, nothing to worry about, but uh, we'll we'll explain all later. And I'm thinking, what on earth does that mean? And Mm -hmm. of course, you know, back in that day, you know, we're doing the radio. I could watch some of the coverage on TV and I'm thinking, what's the change? Um, and it was you behind the wheel which which was the change there and I remember your stage end interview perfectly but I, I, how did you feel about getting behind the wheel of that car because it was it was a necessary evil you had to do it to get you guys through the rally
1: it was it was just it was circumstance and and mm. You know, it was, we, unfortunately, we had a bit of an unfortunate incident in the service, and we had a bit of work to do on the car. So we had to, whenever we left service, so we exceeded the speed limit. And in Sweden, you have um, some grace. You could you could you over if you go over a certain speed limit, you you get it's an automatic ban. And but you have forty eight hours to get home, so you have forty eight hour grace. So, unfortunately, um, just uh, such unfortunate circumstances of how, how it all happened and how the build up happened. Um, and so we, we hatched a plan um, we, we spoke with Bertel, who was the clerk of the course at the time. Um, we were a bit concerned, you know, is this going to affect, you know, what way is insurance and, and things like that. And there was nothing against it in the regulations, but we just wanted every T to be crossed and for it to be correct. But I had mean, never driven a rally car before, never mind a world rally car. I'd never driven on snow, stunts, never, and it was left-hand drive. I drive right-hand drive here in the UK. So with a couple, we, we hatched a plan. There was only four people knew. There was myself. We hadn't even At this point, we hadn't actually let uh, let Ken in, in, in on the sacred. So there was uh, Pernilla and our engineer, FX. Um, and then once we spoke with FX and everything, we, we we spoke with Ken and we told him what was going to happen. So I drove the rally car from wherever the service park was then up at, uh, was it, toward, it wasn't as we're far in, as far no, towards, it was out no, no, at we the airfield. We
0: were in Hagfors, weren't we? So uh, Hag, Hagforsche.
1: Hagforsche. So I was driving the car back to the service every night uh, from the service in Hagfors back to Carlestad, to the park for me and then driving it back up again in the morning, just To see right this is how the gears work and this is how it starts and this is what happens when you push that button or that button and so sort of I mean that was a hundred you know it was a hundred kilometers and from 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 Hag Forest to Karstad so it was getting 200 kilometers a day in the car and I mean obviously you can't go fast and we weren't going to be doing any skidding or sliding around or anything like that it was just purely we're going to drive through the stage and not crash and we would be able to finish the rabbit So we never really thought, you know, we were thinking about it all the time and, and yes. And then the time came where, right, I'm driving. Okay. And typical pattern. I'll read the paste notes. I can remember the stage. I'll read the pace notes, typical pattern, you know? And we headed off into the stage. And you, you do tend to forget that sometimes because the cameras, you know, we knew it was live on TV, but it's like a subconscious thing. The cameras yeah. and everything are so small in the car that you don't even realise that you're live on TV. And I think that's a good thing, because sometimes if you're thinking you're live on TV, it might distract you from your actual professional job. But, and the cameras never are so small. It, it was just, right, let's go. for are having a day out. And Petter started trying to call, call the pace notes, and we nearly crashed. We nearly <laughs> crashed i said, better stop. Just, just stop reading the pace note. I'll just, just don't make me crash. I'll be fine. Don't worry. And we got through the stage, and uh, it was a relief. But I enjoyed it. I, and I definitely was not experience. It. And it is something that uh, I felt a wee bit sorry for Miko Herven. Miko Herven had won the rally, and we were getting the train after the rally. We were getting the train from Karlstad to Oslo the next morning mm-hmm. to get the to get the flight home. And it headline news on the in the paper that I'd been driving the stage and my photograph. And it's these all these people were looking at me. And poor Miko, nobody knew Miko had won the rally. It was just all look, there's that guy who was driving that car. And you're just like, oh my god, I'm just I'm so embarrassed. But um, it was a hell of an experience and something that um I'm just so pleased it happened. The circumstances weren't ideal and um i think the the regulations never change now so i can't really see that happening again anytime mm. soon um which is probably a good thing <laughs> because i was i not a driver letting <laughs> me in a world rally car citroen is uh, a little bit irresponsible but we're going hey, we got through
0: hey you got through and it kind of was as well I, mean, I know you know come <laughs> and on it was great
1: yes it was Wouldn't... great
0: you know, give, give a Scandinavian driver that, you know, co-driver that challenge. Maybe they would have been mm-hmm. a bit more confident because they're used to driving on that service. But you and I both know, in you know, in our countries, we barely get yeah. snow. And when we do, it's a complete disaster for us when we drive yeah. on it because we don't know how to. Exactly.
1: Um, but I was very, I was pleased that, you know, there was, there was no incidents on the stage and everything went fine. And it was great. And we laughed the whole way back to service we'd laughed and just um, did we actually just do that and uh, then when you when we watched the footage back later on I was so slow but I don't care because I didn't crash exactly. we got the car through in one piece and that was really important it was really important for for for, for sponsors for Petter for everything that's going on around us um, and Citroen at the time Citroen were helping a lot of the time you know and it was important for everybody that and the car got through with no damage, so it was uh fine.
0: <laughs> It, it it's an experience and it's a good experience and you can kind of chalk that one off. Yes, driven a world rally car. Thank you mm. on a WRC yeah. event. oh well, Yeah, live got on it. TV. Yeah, live on yeah. TV. Yeah, I think yeah. you you started the stage and Ken had then messaged me to say Chris is driving and I didn't actually believe Ken Reese. I was like, he's winding me up. He is winding yeah. me up that you were driving and we couldn't see. I don't think at the time into the car until we got like heli shots and then you could see Petter with hand signals and and everything and I want well, what the hell is going on here but yeah yeah great story yeah. great story
1: and we, we couldn't do I, I we, we tried I did a couple of practice starts you know with the launch control and all of the things and there's a whole procedure to starting the stage with these cars I just couldn't I kept stalling you know we, we, we did about five practices and I think got one out of five and I just kept stalling it and it's a better. We're not doing a launch control. We're just going to drive gently off the start line and hopefully nothing will break. And it will be fine. It will all work out. And it did. Like everything, it all works out. The end.
0: My favourite part of this whole story, though, is that your face was, you know, the news the next day in the papers. I, I, I do, do you have a copy of these papers? Can we find no. some? Because I'd no, i do love to see it.
1: I wish I had, and it was and it was on the front. Pit. And you know, we got on the train, it was commuter, you know, everybody's going to work. You know, all these people are going to work. So they were going about their daily business, getting their newspaper, and and we had just arrived and got on the train. And I seen all these people reading their newspapers and they were looking at me and I'm going, Oh my God. <laughs> and poor Mako, nobody even knew it won the rally. It was just this this head this agent from Northern Ireland was was driving a rally car on a stage. Oh, what? And you literally you couldn't make it up to. It. You, you couldn't. If somebody had said, you know, that, that happened, they would say, "What? Talking nonsense." You know, but it did happen, and it was good fun. And yes, that is one of the. I'm definitely that I'm famous for that. Not uh, really all my my very, which I'm very proud of, achievements in, in in motorsport.
0: Huge achievements in motorsport, but a lot of people now in in Sweden and Norway will know your face as as that. Uh, you've you've had an interesting you know the last decade because obviously Petter Solberg featured in there. So did Chris Meek, Khalid Al Kasimi, Gus Greensmith. You've done a lot in the past ten years. And you know what was it like with with Chris? Because you were with him in part of the early his early career, and then you you kind of came back to sit alongside him again. What was that mm. like?
1: It was a time. It was just after. It was in two thousand thirteen, and and Petter had retired, and we knew that that, that was wasn't going to go any further than that. So it was just time to knock that in the head. And mm. I didn't really have uh, much on at the time. So I, I mean, I was involved with M Sport in the last year with Petter with with uh, with Ford, and had said they were developing the new R five car at that time. R five was was just in its real embassy, and, and two thousand thirteen was the development development year for those cars. So I'd said to Matthew, because uh, Matthew Wilson was doing all the development work. I said, look, Matthew, you know, if you knew I'd come and we'll, we'll you know, do development if there's a few rallies, whatever it may be. And so I was doing that with Matthew and it was great. We had a great time developing that car. We, we did a few rallies. Then they developed that basically. It was done. So it was time to move on. But Peugeot were just starting with their cars. So Chris called me and said, oh, do you look, would you sit in and we'll go and you know, there's a chance we'll maybe do a couple of rallies. We're going to do a rally and we'll do a few bits and pieces. I said, yeah, yeah, fine. No problem. Not a bother. So off we went and did that. And then Eve, Matt Holland, approached then Chris. Uh, it was two rallies. It was Finland and Australia. And he was fast. Chris was fast. But it didn't end well. Mm. The two events did not end well. And I made a conscious decision then, you know. And Chris to this day is a very, very good friend of mine. um, But I I wasn't prepared to make a commitment to Chris and go and do a two or three-year contract with Citroën. Just, we'd done two rallies. They were a disaster. and There was a lot of damage done. And I thought, no, I'm I'm not up for this. So um, I decided that's not the road I'm going. And Shai Khaled then, followed. And said, Well, look, if you're not because Sheikh was supporting Chris at that time and uh, it was actually after Australia. And i i spoke with Sheikh Allen and, and, and Ron Kremen at that time. And um I said, Look, I'm just not prepared to this this is not for me. If you know it's if we're gonna go wrecking and smashing, it's not for me. I'm sorry. I'd just rather, just not. I'd rather just give it a miss. Yeah. So um, so then Sheikh Allen said, Oh well, uh, Because Scott was sitting with Shay Callan at that time, and Scott had had an approach from Alfie, and which was totally respected and uh, not not a baller, and you know anything you know to help Scotty pursue his career. So uh, it was then decided: okay, um, Scott, you you decide. Uh, if you want to stay with Abu Dhabi Racing, or you know, go with Elfin, you know, it's it's, it's absolutely there's there's no it's full respect. And uh, so Elf, or Craig, our Scotty, went with <laughs> uh, with 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 Elf, and shake Khaled said, "Look, will you will you go down for me? And we'll just go and we'll have some fun. We'll do the Middle East, and we'll do some World Championship rallies, the ones that I decide to want to do, and and we'll have some fun. And I've known Shea Khaled for for many many years, and we had. Some huge races um, in competition in the Middle East over the years, and so I knew him really, really well. So it was nearly a perfect fit for me for what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah,
1: and and um, so I just that just fitted in nicely. I just uh, went went with Shaykals, and um, but you know with Chris, it was just a simple case of Chris. This is this is not for me. I'm sorry, look, you know, speak with Paul or speak with whoever at the yeah. time, but you know, I'm just not.
0: That's no, and I think that's right. You've me. got to go. You've got to go with your gut feeling and what is a good fit for you, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know what you feel completely comfortable with. And like you say, you're, you're good friends, but mm-hmm. as a professional working relationship, that was not right for you at the time.
1: It just wasn't right at that time. And, um, you know, Chris went on and he, he he's obviously had a fantastic career, as, as we know. and and But we've remained really, really good friends. We speak regularly. Uh, when I was speaking to him just the other day, uh, we were talking about um, Dakar. We were talking about Dakar Rally and also talking about motorcycles. So um, we, we speak regularly and, um, you know, he's he's, he's he's a good guy.
0: You mentioned uh, Sheikh Khaled and also a name there, Ron Kremen, and who unfortunately mm. passed away recently. Ron yes. such a such a good guy and mm-hmm. one of mm-hmm. Raleigh's just finest people. Um, yes. that was a that was a nice team. Everything they had going on at Abu Dhabi Racing was was great. It was a good unit. And obviously, you know, you d- you did more rallies maybe in the WRC than you would have expected, because if Sheikh Khaled said a handful, it was definitely more than a handful that you ended up doing
1: yeah and, and and it was great and it was great times and, and like you say ron was, was one of the sports true gentlemen and a great loss to us now and a great a great loss as a friend and a colleague he was uh, such a such a good guy and uh, we remember him well and uh and the cooperation with shay Talley, you know unfortunately with happy dappy racing there's just not really much going on there at the minute and just went through circumstance and and well, COVID has not helped and the pandemic has not helped things In, in because it's, um, you know, it's, it's tourist, it's a destination, Abu Dhabi as a destination was, was basically behind the budget and just nobody traveling. No, So these things, just nothing, you know, everyone comes to an end at some point. And... Um, we are testing next week for Dakar, so we will do. Not, I'm not co-driving. I'm just sort of helping, helping out with the team. And um, so we'll be in Dubai next week for the Abu Dhabi Desert Challenge, and then in preparation for Dakar. And then we'll see after Dakar what way that that whole the whole thing's going. Yeah. And um, hopefully someday Abu Dhabi Racing may come back, or it may not. We will see. It all depends what Sheikh Calvin wants to do. Yeah.
0: Well, fingers he's, crossed. He's the boss. Yeah, yes, absolutely. and it was
1: a great time. It was a great time, and uh, whatever the boss decides, you know that's that's what we'll, uh, we'll, we'll we'll pursue.
0: Now, I've I've got a bone to pick with you, Patterson. Oh
1: dear, not again! It was really. in
0: in Sheikh Khalid's day when when you said to me, "That's it, Bex. I'm uh, putting the pace notes books away now. End of 2018. This this is my yes. last rally." And I think it was Rally Spain, actually, 2018, Mm -hmm. similar to obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, this time around. That's it. Calling it a day. And I was like, no, I can't imagine you not being here. It's time. (laughs) It's time. And then (laughs) lower bold, a couple of years later, up you pop again. So I'm not taking for granted this time that it is an absolute retirement. Speak to me in 2024, and then maybe we'll celebrate your successes. But I reckon you might see you again in the next few years, weeks, months. Who knows?
1: No, that's it. I will not be in the co right. Well, I, I well when you say not, I mean I'm going to do this rally with 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 Windhoff. And let's uh, say then
0: from the WRC, maybe yes. No uh, I, I
1: I won't be in the WRC. You know, I'm I'm a car guy. I love cars. A, I have a real passion for older cars. And. Uh, for uh, Steve Perez, he's he's another one. He was keeping me going, and his son uh, Sebastian was 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 part of the, the M Sport squad in Spain. So Steve was there, and um he knows I love his love I just love his Lancia Stratos. It's just the most beautiful car, and the noise. So he was you know, well, going So yes, I will go and do a couple of rallies for Good. a bit of fun, a bit of carry on. And um, no doubt you'll see me helping Gus and and, and and sport out in a few few events next year. We'll, we'll see. And uh, it's been a great year this season you know, with, with Gus.
0: How did he get you out of retirement?
1: Well, it was Malcolm.
0: Right. Tell me the story. It
1: was Malcolm. Malcolm rings, it's very difficult to say no. And um, he can be very, very persuasive. And, you know, and well, you know, just to put the record straight, um, Malcolm called, we, we, we got in contact with us, we, we, we went over and we met him, and uh, we jailed quite quickly, and, and it was great. But I seem to have got. You know, you're saying you have a bone to pick with me. Well, I have a bone to pick with, with oh, you as well. Oh, God.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: yeah. You know, I seem to be getting the credit with, with, with bringing Gus uh, forward this year, which I totally disagree with. Um, I am very, very small part of... a very small cog in the big big scheme of things. You know, Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Rich Milner, our engineers, Jimmy McMillan and Bernardo, Gus, Gus's family, Everybody working together to bring it forward. And um, yes, I've been in the car and i did uh, some steps in the right direction this year, which has been really, really great. We had some targets uh, which which Malcolm set for us at the start of the year. We've achieved most of those targets, which we're delighted with. But I should not be taking the credit with that. It's 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 really it's it's and, and Malcolm's the driving force with that. And you know, Malcolm has put his faith over the years in so many young drivers. He does not get the credit for for, for, for what he's done over the years. And mm-hmm. very quietly, he's been doing it for years. And you think of the drivers that went through his workshops. Yeah. They're all there. Um, Oight Terry Neville, everybody. Well, Seb Oger was already an established driver, but...
0: But he, he was better for M Sport, I reckon. <laughs> better from, well, yeah. from from spending some time uh, yeah, with Malcolm. Well, yeah,
1: you know, and, and, and Malcolm, he doesn't get the credit that he deserves for, mm. for the careers that and the faith that he has put into drivers over the yeah. years. And he has that faith in Gus. He knew that Gus could do it. And Gus, a young guy, you know, he doesn't have the... You know, he doesn't have the history that, that quite a lot of us do have. You know, I was, you know, I was making pace when I was 14. Mm. You know, Gus didn't even know what a rally car was when he was 14. He, he stumbled across rallying not that long ago. He's not from a motorsport family. You know, people like Elfin and, and, and Craig Brain and all these guys, they've lived and breathed rallying all their days. Gus very new to the sport, the family's new to the sport, and he's, he's you know, he's, he's turned it around remarkably this year, but I mean, for, for a year with R5 car, the, the times and success he was having, and hugely underrated, and gets a, has had a very, I don't really look at social media so, so often.
0: Well, but you didn't even know what a podcast was. So no, I know you do don't look at social media. Yeah.
1: And, and I will listen. To, I'm going to Dubai in the next couple of days. I will listen to one of your podcasts. One? On, on well, yeah, it is a long flight. So I'll listen to I'll download a couple. I'll get okay, I'll get Christelle to download a couple for me. <laughs> and uh, I'll listen to them on the Eryphian. But Gus, Gus has had a hard time and it's, it's really, really unfair. He's an exceptional talent and um, you know it's really down to, to Malcolm and, and Rich Milner and, and the team of people he has around him.
0: Yeah.
1: He's moved forward in a good way this year and uh, full respect to, to Malcolm for continuing that faith. And like I say, he doesn't get the credit he deserves for the drivers that he has brought on over the years. I have total, huge respect for the man.
0: I I completely agree with you. Malcolm does a, a huge amount, and and we we definitely pay pay credit to him when we we discuss and talk about on or live, you know what he's done for drivers over the year. But I'm going to counter your bone to pick with you by saying, <sighs> you know, they're not my words; they're Gus's own words when he gives out the praise. And I have to say, you know, when I saw you two put together and that you were going to co-drive for him, I thought. Oh, is this going to work? You know, there's um, there's quite the gap in in terms of years between you, and although Gus has no ego, he's not that kind of guy. He's he's very down to earth. He's very funny. Um, I've done a podcast with him here, and I I know that you know he was late on into rallying. He was going to be a goalkeeper. He was yeah. you know almost mm-hmm. a professional you know level and and trying out for. I think it was Man City or Man United, I can't remember. Anyway, you know that's the kind of path he, he was going on. And I thought, are you gonna get along together? Is, is this gonna be really, ooh, two very different people rubbing up against each other or are you gonna really gel? And it, it seems to be this incredible friendship <laughs> you, you have <laughs> developed. And to see the words yeah. that Gus said, that the tribute he paid to you after Spain which you might not have seen because it was on social media I'll send it to you. Um, you it was just these beautiful words that he wrote about you and, and mm. I thought you have done a lot for him this year I think having your experience you know you've seen that all you've been there you've done it all and you can help younger drivers to understand themselves a bit more and you know to calm them down to, to give them the praise when, when praise is due when they can accept that from you because you've been around and you've you've sat mm-hmm. alongside great drivers and you know you can't be too modest Mr. Patterson
1: well I'm afraid I'm gonna remain modest um, <laughs> I I feel it's, it's 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 everybody working together from from, from, from Malcolm down to, to to everybody working together as as a team and I'll just it's it's come into place and you know, with Gus, look, I you're absolutely correct. I have built up a, a great friendship with him, and uh, he's just such a good guy and an absolute gentleman. And from a fantastic family, it's uh, the
0: family are great, aren't they?
1: Oh, you know, they're just, just, just stars. And uh, I've enjoyed every single minute of it. Make, make no mistake. And but look, you know, for me, I made it clear from the beginning that it was one season, one season only. And um, I, I, I had to stick with my word, and um, it's you know I've been on the, the trot for, for for many many years now, and really you have to at some point say no, that's that's enough now, and um, it's it's been great because I feel I'm also stopping on a high, and um, you know we, we you're only as good as your last result, and. To say that we we, we finished uh, the sixth yes fifth fifth or sixth fifth fifth in Spain which I must actually check one of the two and that was only two weeks ago that's how old I'm getting I'm forgetting it was only two weeks ago um but you know to finish on that high is is, is important to me um to finish on on a high and you're only as good as your last result yeah. and um so it's been a great season. We've we've enjoyed every single minute of it. And uh, it's been, you know, these cars are so good. We are so lucky going in these cars. And you tend to forget that sometimes. They're just so fantastic. They're so fabulous. So the new cars, we're all in for, you know, all, all you know, your yourselves. And, and you know, people that are watching, tuning in to, to, to WRC Plus and um, the, the channels around the world you're in for a big, big treat. These new cars are so fabulous. They're just so fantastic. And the bits and pieces I have seen getting released on social media, they're not really doing them any justice. They really are fabulous. They look fantastic. The the technology and the engineering in them now is is, is something to be, oh, it's just so incredible. How time moves on so quickly in in engineering-wise. Uh, and technology-wise, um, you know these new cars. There's something special. We we are all in for a big trade come Monte Carlo. A big trade come Monte Carlo. <laughs> I'm really excited. I can't wait. It's going to be
0: great. I hope so. I'm really looking forward to it. You were sixth in Spain. In Spain, by the way,
1: Six, Right, sixth. Thank you. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I know we finished in the top ten, and I'm delighted for <laughs> that. So yeah.
0: But I I yeah. love the fact. Well, first of all, I don't think. You know, I think I, on a Zoom call that we have with all the drivers and the teams pre-event, I was the one who said to Gus first, what's it going to be like last event with Chris Patterson? And a lot of journalists were like, no one knew that it was going to be your last event. You kept that very, very quiet. And we go back to your three words, Mr. Private. You didn't really reveal (laughs) that it was going to be your last event or no announcement or anything. It was just... I'm gonna do it, so, as soon as I'd mentioned it, then people started writing stories. Mm-hmm. We made sure that we interviewed you quite a lot on the final day. Yes. You never been on t v so much um, but know. it it was a nice final day, but it's good yet yeah, you know what Covid times now we don't get the chance to interview co drivers as much as. We could because we you don't get the access to people now. We have to wait for people to be brought to us and can't just grab you the way the way we used to um, before all of this COVID stuff came in came into play. So it was really nice to be able to chat with you on Sunday and to see you interviewed a number of times and even at the stage end as well. That was it was good. Okay, not for you maybe because I know you you're intensely private, but you said some lovely words. You're very good behind the mic. You should do that more often. Maybe we can. Uh, you in on WRC Plus now then?
1: Yeah, good luck with that one. Uh, You know, it it was, and it was, uh, look, it's very, very important come Monte Carlo, you know, because some people did tell me, I think it was Julian said to me, you know, people are taking two and two and adding them up and making 20. And you're like, what? You know, there was, to think, oh, Chris is being dropped, and it was like,
0: oh, yeah, Some ridiculous Some, clickbait I, headlines just to get people yeah, to go just, in and have a look.
1: I just be in despair, you know. People just coming up with these assumptions and it's just total nonsense. It's very, very important that uh, in Monte Carlo Rally, there's no second guessing. So the new it was always, always in the plan where the new co-driver for Monte Carlo will do Monza. Yeah, because you can you can test. And if you're blue in the face. You can do pace, no practice. You can do all of these things. Yeah. But to keep the whole momentum going and moving forward with Gus, Monte Carlo Rally next year is the most important rally he has done so far. It's a new car, and um, you know Ford is, is is going to have a lot more involvement. And um, you know he's he's representing M Sport in a, in a proper way. And um. You know these things. It's just so important that, um, that that everything's working in a correct way. So it was important that the new co-driver um, did a rally, and Monza was the perfect fit. Yeah. So you know, obviously, negotiations are all still ongoing for many many things, but that is in the plan. Where if the plan moves forward. That's the way it'll be. So, um, so the new coach driver was always in the plan that uh, Monte Carlo, they're, they're not second-guessing going to the first stage. Yeah. Like I was with Petter going in the first stage in Bulgaria, the first stage with Jim McRae <laughs> back in Donegal Rally. You're not second-guessing. You know each other inside out. And uh, that that is so crucial to, mm. to, to the start of the season where every point is important. And... Um, for, for for everybody that's involved so monty's the perfect fit for that so it was always in the plan that's where it's going to be
0: yeah which um yeah it makes complete sense because monty's such a, a huge event in in more ways mm. than than one of course but what yeah. about you now i mean I, I you know i'm disappointed because i won't see your face anymore on WRC events and uh, you know we won't have the chats and the gossip and and all the rest but I know I can just pick up the phone and and do that with you but you have such experience in in the WRC and it feels to me like even though you're not going to be in the co-driving seat I would like you to be involved in some way still because we need your kind of you know your vision your expertise would you would you ever consider doing you know a role where you're working within a team somehow?
1: yes I'll probably be involved with Gus I'll, I'll continue on a certain amount of, of cooperation with, with 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 Gus and with M Sport and, and and rich and Malcolm and everybody at M Sport. um and you know if I can help out in any way there you know there, there's there's all sorts of things going on there at the minute so if I can help out and be of assistance there then yes absolutely uh, but certainly um, you know, I'll go down and help out in Monza. Uh, I'll probably end up doing the gravel crew in Monza, and if uh, needs to, um, you know, we'll carry that across and into next year. So yes, I'm not going away, Bex. I'm just not going to be in the co-driver. seat. you just can't get rid of me that easily. And uh, <laughs> you know, and and you know, I. I I am absolutely delighted if there's young co-drivers out there because there is a shortage of co-drivers. At the there minute. are. There, there, right. there definitely is. And, um, you know, if I can help the, the young guys come through, you know, I've got young, young Aaron there who's, who's in with TAC and I've, I've, I've helped them a lot over the years and, and that's been great. So I'm absolutely, you know, stuck. He was on the phone for an hour this morning um, and another younger co-driver was on uh, for an hour this morning as well. So it's been a, a fairly busy morning talking to, to co-drivers. And if I can help them in any way, it's, it's, it's absolutely my pleasure to do so. And hopefully we can we can help them um, to move forward. And, you know, any young co-drivers that are listening. Never be scared to make contact. Never be frightened to, uh, because it seems to be, oh, I didn't want to ring you. I didn't want to bother you. I didn't want to do it. You're like, well, oh, that's just crazy. How can you succeed if you don't ask? So and if you need help, ask. You know, it's not just ask. So, um, you know, anybody can, can, can message me and everybody knows how to get in contact with me somehow. And um, it's, it's, I'm more than delighted to help.
0: It's like a co-driver call centre there then, yes?
1: Called, co-driver call centre here in County Antrim today, yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's great. And I think, you know, you're right. If people do want to get on, then, you know, to... to to be able to and to know that they can contact you and, and ask questions it doesn't matter how silly when, when new people come to work with us doing any kind of job and if they want to step up to being reporters whatever I will always say to them ask me anything even if you think it's yeah. the stupidest question on earth just ask me because nothing, yeah, the nothing, is, yeah. nothing is a stupid question because if nothing to is something, a stupid question
1: then yeah. you, do, you don't yeah. know
0: it um, and it's and, so important you know, the, to let people know that they can ask.
1: Yeah, you know, and, and the young guys as well, you know, I mean, even for us, you know, and, and, and you know, Dan's another guy and, and, and you know, where, it's, he can't, why do people ring him? It's not a problem at all. But even for us, you know, Bex, every day is a school day and yeah, every day absolutely. is a learning day. And uh, we certainly aren't self-proclaimed experts in, in oh. co-driving or anything like that. We've just been around a few corners over the years, and most of us have made all the mistakes. We've done <laughs> that. We made all them mistakes. So don't make those mistakes that we've made, and and and, and you know, move forward uh, to, to the best that you possibly can. But you know, really, every day is a school day, and, and today, you know, uh, in Spain, rather right, we we're still learning. Of course, mm-hmm. we were, um, and that's something that I will miss from them is those school days and, and learning and and, and taking uh, taking what we can from 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 the rallies and from the uh, from the stages really great really great
0: well i'm delighted that you're still going to be involved um i'm looking forward to seeing you getting up exceptionally early to be part of uh, gravel crew i'm sure you're going to love
1: that i'm not looking forward to that <laughs> At all, you know, I, you know. over the years, I mean, I have done gravel cruise. for. I did it for years, years ago, and those three o'clock in the morning starts and everyone It's wrong, right? Painful, painful. <laughs> so I'm and I have seen the itinerary for Monza, and it's going to be some early starts. Mm. Anyway, that's how it is. <laughs> and um, but you know, uh, uh, at the end of the day, we're there to help us. So look, if it means getting up at three am or four am, that's, that's how it is. We'll just go to we'll go to bed a bit earlier.
0: Exactly, Chris. It's been an absolute joy to talk to you, and I know as with everyone that I speak to on these, we, we could keep on talking, but I'm aware we've been talking an hour and a half already.
1: No way. <laughs> yes.
0: Oi, oi, oi. Okay. Um, yes. And I'm I'm glad that we still get to see you on events because we can carry on the storytelling through that, which will be fantastic. Um, well,
1: somebody wants to do one of these on you someday, Bec. Right? So maybe <laughs> I'll do it to you, because so many people want to know about you. Do you, you, you have any idea how many fans you have around the world?
0: Oh, shush, now don't. No. But you do. Talking. No, no. And,
1: and you... And, and, well, OK, talking about bones to pick with. You oh. call me private. Nobody knows anything. Anything about you, Bex Williams, nothing.
0: I like to keep the air of mystery, Miss Patterson. You
1: see? You see? So don't shout and roar at me whenever I say, I'm a private guy and I don't like you. know. So don't shout and roar at me. But uh, (laughs) I think people would be delighted if somebody did a proper sit-down interview with Bex. You know, you're doing this since 2001, 2002. And nobody knows anything about you. It's, it's Bex from the TV. It's, uh, but who's Bex the person?
0: <gasps> oh, I couldn't possibly I, I would love it. to do it.
1: I would love to do that. <laughs> well, maybe
0: one it. day we'll set that up where you interview me. Do you me, think so? There would have to be a bottle of wine involved.
1: The stories might get a bit scary.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Yeah.
1: Because Bex, the last time you and I enjoyed a bottle of wine, I think it did get a bit messy. So um, you know, it did, did not that.
0: <laughs> as as it usually does, Mister Patterson, and that is the only way for it to be no half measures. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. But I think everybody would be would you know certainly uh, you know nobody knows anything about you back, and it's uh, maybe it is that air of mistake is a good thing. But uh, so many people are like, who is Bex Williams? Well, nobody knows. Nobody genuinely oh, knows.
0: Is she real? Just a figment of real? everyone's imagination. I'm just in like an automated voice. That's what I am, like Siri, on your phone. That is
1: fantastic. <laughs> Bex, it's been an absolute pleasure, and so nice to see you.
0: Yeah, you too, Chris. And I'm, like I said, delighted. I am going to see you at Monza, and you know, congratulations on a brilliant career i know it's not completely ending and that we'll still see you co-driving and everything but you know you
1: co-driving and and for fun for, fun. For, for fun for fun
0: for fun of course for fun. although i'm sure yes. Daff evans will will turn a bit serious
1: yes he wakes up in the morning and he just he wakes up and he's just it's it's all go from the moment he wakes up it's just like we're going to have a nice bit of dinner now going <laughs> that no because we're going to go and do more wrecking all oh, right okay then, let's go so, uh, but look, that's great, and uh, it would be really, really good fun. And I hope we go through Tholpe Will Village at ten thousand RPM, full I sideways. I, think I, I will
0: come and spectate if it doesn't clash with the double. There'll be something event, to
1: see. Yes, there'll be something spectate. to see. Yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, I will see you at Monza. Thank you very much for sharing a little part of your career with us.
1: Thank you, Bex, and thank you for taking the time today. And look forward to seeing you in Monza. For more great World Rally Championship content, head to WRC Plus with its thousands of hours of archive footage and exclusive live programming. Event review shows and extensive onboards, special features too on some of the legends of the sport. This is all available at wrcplus.com, the digital online home of the World Rally Championship.